But hello there, friend, and welcome to the Cultivating Jewels podcast. This show is all about embracing the promise of abundance and cultivating what really matters in life. I'm your host, Amber Durgan, and together we will discuss what it means to be women devoting ourselves to Christ through all the various roles we play. I'm so excited you have joined me today and cannot wait to uncover the jewels that are sure to be ours. Welcome. Hello again, friends, and welcome to the third episode of 2022 and the 12th overall episode of the show. As always, I'm so excited to have you with us today. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing an interview I did with my friend Lauren Bellows, all on the topic of special needs parenting, the blessings, the hardships, how the church can do a better job in working with special needs or disability, why our villages that come around and support us are important, how to deal with negative comments, how to deal when one of your precious children notices they might be different than their peers. This is a super encouraging and super inspirational talk you won't want to miss. Whether or not you yourself are the parent of a child with special needs, this episode is sure to encourage you and help you understand more on these sweet children. So please take a listen with an open heart, and perhaps if you know someone who is parenting children with special needs, you can pass this along to them. Without further ado, here is Lauren. Enjoy. Hello, Lauren, and welcome to the Cultivating Jewels podcast. How are you? I'm great. (laughs) I know you from following each other's ministries. We've written a book together and all the things, but for anyone that does not know you. Can you share a little bit about who you are and where we can find you online? Of course I can. So I am Lauren Bellows. Um, I'm a mom to eight. We have four through foster care adoption and four children through biology. Um, I have, I homeschool, sorry, I homeschool all of my six children who are still in school. Um, sort of. I mean, my youngest is one, so she kind of just comes along for the ride. And you can find me at Lauren Jane Bellows on Instagram. And that's basically my handle everywhere. For anyone who's not following you, they need to be because you're so just like truthful and here's my real life. And I just love it. I'm going to interview on special needs parenting because you're a rock star parent in that regard, in all regards, but um, for the purposes of this podcast in that regard. So will you share what the term special needs encompasses? Yes. So I use special needs um, to describe my parenting because I have children who are autistic. I have a child who has mental health disorder and well, I actually have more than one. Um, and I have children who receive services through the special needs education program, but do not have a diagnosis. Um So that's what I kind of use it for special needs as a terminology in the professional world basically is any person who has a disability that attributes to their mental, physical, or emotional health. So I use it kind of for all of my children, 
I will say, I'm going to just throw this out here. And I, I told you I had mentioned this, that some people don't love the term special needs. I personally use it because it's easier than me, A, naming off all measurements various things every time I say so also because that's just the terminology that is kind of where my background comes from but I also if we're talking about a specific child I'll just tell you flat out like James is autistic I don't say James has special needs I say he's autistic and that's just kind of one of those things where words are weird sometimes and different people have different feelings about certain descriptions I myself would fall underneath special needs if we like looked at it as a whole, but I don't refer to myself as having special needs. I refer to myself as having mental illnesses. So that's kind of where I use the terminology and like the different feelings about the terminology. And has that changed like in recent years? Because I know it's gone back and forth between first person, not first person a little bit. Um, Yeah, it really like I said, it depends on the scenario, the situation. Um, so I'll use James as an example. We listen to a lot of people who are autistic and the vast majority prefer to be called autistic with the identification first. But I'm also a person who believes like, I just kind of ask people who are old enough to answer. Right. Um, you know, I have a really good friend who prefers to be called a person with autism. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing that's kind of been really decided for everyone is disabled isn't a bad word. That's one thing that I've seen across the board. Um, And referring to someone as disabled is not a bad thing. But as far as like, I know adults who use special needs, I know adults who refuse to use special needs. I know adults who say they have a disability. I know who adults who say they are a disabled adult, you know? So it's one of those things where I, I personally prefer to just ask people, And at this point, I kind of go by the majority for my children. But I also, if my son was to say, I have autism, I would be like, oh, no, you're autistic. I would say, okay, that's how you're saying it today. But it's changed a lot. When I went through my training to work with a program that worked with autistic adults, it was very much person first. And that was drilled into me. And that was in 2010. So it's definitely switches back and forth. (laughs) Makes sense. And I, I like how individually you take it because there, I'm sure there are people just like we all have different personalities who want it this way and other people that want it this way. So instead of just looking at it from one, like we're going to call you all special needs, you're more individualistic with it. Yeah. And I, I try really hard to always listen to person first opinions, not always use person first language, but always listen to the person who I'm talking to or about. Right. That's just yeah. kind of something I want to respect what people want to be referred to as good for purposes of this podcast we are going to use special needs parenting just because it encompasses everything um for our listeners with special needs lauren and i are both parents of special needs children my son has sensory processing disorder i feel like there's so much though we can't individually name them all so for the purposes we're just going to stick with special needs parenting but lauren can you share your personal story of special needs parenting uh what it has taught you how it has grown you etc Yep, of course. So I'm going to start. I began parenting with foster care. um, And I actually was thrown into parenting with a child who had a special education program, but she did not have a diagnosis. My oldest was in speech therapy. Well, my second oldest, but my oldest daughter was in speech therapy for many years. And I started with that. And there is a lot that's easier 
I don't want to say easier, but it's an easier thing when there is a specific need to me mm-hmm. because our second placement, my next two, Liam and Lily came with a plethora of quote unquote special needs. And with them, our son, Liam had a long list of things that he was struggling with, things that he could not do at his age that were developmentally appropriate. So we began our journey really with him is when I say I began it, but our oldest, my, our older daughter, Megan did have like a special needs education, special education program for her. I'm going to talk a little bit about bear, which is why I'm kind of clarifying that just because I, again, I have multiple kids who have different special needs. So with Liam, we began our journey with a son who came to us who was three years old and developmentally was about 18 months. He was nonverbal. He um, did not have great listening skills. Um, It's called receptive language skills. He really struggled a lot with behaving in a way that was socially acceptable. Um, He did a lot of eloping, which is the word, the like professional word for running away. Um, And at that point, the doctor had originally said that he would probably be dependent on us forever. The projection of his life was, I don't want to say grim because it's not grim. If a person is nonverbal forever, there are other ways to communicate, et cetera, et cetera. But it was very much a, he's never going to get past this, just accept it. And if you guys keep him, you're probably going to have to put him in a home which was mortifying to me because I grew up in a house where we worked very hard to help the children who came into my parents' care and just accepting it was something I was not willing to do. Again, not because there's anything wrong if a child or an adult uses a diaper or if they use um, other ways of communication other than verbalization. There's nothing wrong with that, but it was very much a, he's never going to progress past this age mentally. So we kind of said, you know, we're not accepting this. I won't tell your listeners exactly what I said to the doctor because this is a Christian podcast and I was not very kind, but (laughs) I basically said, I am not accepting that. Um, And we started doing a lot of therapies. We did speech therapy, um, occupational therapy, physical therapy. He went into play therapy immediately. And we are very happy with how he has progressed. And again, We said yes, knowing that he may never be able to use the toilet. Um, We said yes, knowing that he may never be able to speak. Like none of those things were deal breakers for us, but they were things that we wanted to give him the best opportunity in his way to be able to communicate, to be able to live essentially. And that's kind of what began what I really consider our special needs journey. Um, And then as I mentioned before, we also have a seven-year-old who is autistic. He was a child that we kind of had a feeling, um, like I said, I've worked with autistic adults for many, many years. And in that, we kind of had a feeling that there was sensory stuff there. There was um, possibly a, a autism spectrum disorder, possibly sensory processing disorder, but we had kind of just put it off to see where we could what was just, I don't want to say normal toddlerhood stuff, but normal toddlerhood stuff versus what we could look at as this is who James is. And I, one of my big things is I don't want any of these therapies to change our children. I want it to help them cope. Their personalities are something that I don't want 
us to try and force out of them to behave in a way that's more socially acceptable. Um, I want them to still be able to be themselves. So about a year and a half ago, we had James um, evaluated and he is diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And I think it's gross motor, fine motor skill delays. He struggles with writing, with doing like smaller things with his fingers. And there's other things, obviously. And then our final child who is currently awaiting his evaluation um, because of where we live, we have to do a full evaluation on him. Despite the fact that, you know, we've, we've been through this a few times and I'm like, you know, he really just needs speech help. <laughs> I promise. But he will be getting his full evaluation in January. And I don't foresee any diagnoses beyond a speech delay and that my five-year-old. So that was kind of our journey into this. That's all of our kids ways into it. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, again, love just how intentional you are not to want to change your personality, but to help them cope best in life. Like it's not about changing your child. It's about making the world as accessible as you can to them where they are. Yes. Yeah. That's one of my big passions is I, I want them to realize that society may not have been built exactly for who they are, but who they are, isn't a bad thing. It's society that has to change to, and meet them in a place where they are able to thrive in it. Exactly. What has parenting children with diverse special needs taught you? Um, I think the number one thing it's taught me, honestly, is to just let things go. Like I said, we have kids who have some various also mental health stuff and um, sensory processing stuff. And with that, there's a things that um I had hoped for and I I don't want to say I hesitate to say this because it sounds almost like a you know disappointment and it's not a disappointment but it is things that I had hoped like our life would look like and because of our children's needs they're not things that are necessarily accessible as you said accessible to us at this point and I've had to learn to not look for what we can't do and look at families that we can't be and be really grateful for the family that we are and the people that we are and the things that we are able to do. And it's also really helped me to have a faith in the future. Um, Like I said, we got really scary prognosis with Liam and even with James now, like looking forward, we don't know where he'll be in 10 years we don't know if he will be capable of living on his own, but sitting here, it's not worth it to sit here and think, well, what if he can't, you know, what if he has a regression X, Y, and Z, you know, it's more important for me to be here in the moment and have faith that God will just handle the future Mm -hmm. that he is already has his hands all over it. He had his hands in the womb when my children were formed and he has them on them right now. And the future is on him. And that's been a struggle for me to learn. (laughs) I am a very future oriented person. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily in a bad way. Like, you know, I talk about goals a lot and where I want to be in two years, where I want to be in a month and having so much unknown has really forced me to just put my faith in Jesus that he already knows. And that is one of the best lessons that's given me. All right. That answer just gave me goosebumps. I love that so much. Okay. (laughs) In our situation, Matthew has sensory processing disorder, and I've been told Zach's never been evaluated. He could. It's just presenting in a different way. And yeah. I mean, my kids are only six and three, so it's been pr- 
pretty, I mean, Matthew, we knew from the get go that he was struggling with certain areas. So he was in speech therapy and that's when they're like, mm, he might have this. So we had his evaluation, but that's the brand new world. Like you don't go into parenting thinking for whatever reason, at least I didn't, maybe some of the people do, but I didn't go into parenting thinking, okay, I'm going to have these special needs to handle, to learn how to, I didn't have any idea before I became a parent. So what I'm trying to say what sensory processing really even was. And so to learn a child and then to learn all these other things about that child, it's been a journey, but it's, as you said, God's been there every step of the way and how beautiful that really is. Yes. It's a gift to have so much to have. I, I, I don't want to say to have my faith tested, but to almost have my faith tested, you know, I have to trust. I have to trust that God will be good, you know, and he'll make a place for my children, no matter where we go and who they become, that he is there with them. And that's something that again, again, I grew up in a house where like, you know, we knew our plans, we knew what we were going to do. And being in a place where that, uh, that's not a certainty for us yet, you know, it's just, it's a, it's, it's humbling. It's humbling Mm -hmm. to have to rely. And I'm glad to be humbled. Some days, not all days. Some days I'm like, come on guys, really? But most days I'm glad to be humbled. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I just think like knowing Matthew, and I'm sure you can say the same thing as your child. I wouldn't want them without like their disorder or special need, whatever you want to call it, makes them them. Like, yeah, in a perfect world, it'd be great if they could function completely healthy. But in a broken world where we are right now, I wouldn't know Matthew without some of the things he, like when he gets really excited, start shaking his hand. That's just my Matthew. Like, don't take that away from him. You know what I mean? Yeah. That for me has been a blessing to get to know him for him, not the world thinks you should be this way. I agree a hundred percent. And one thing that's been hard for me is there are parents out there who don't want it. They wouldn't choose that. And I've had people say to me, like, if you could go back, would you change the thing that made James autistic? And I wouldn't, I never would. You know, there are things that he struggles with and there are aspects of life that break my heart because he isn't the typical child in this world. And it's hard to watch him struggle with things and watch him in ways be left out or made fun of. But at the same time, if he wasn't autistic, he wouldn't be James. Mm-hmm. And I, I love who James is. I truly love it. He is hilarious and fun and sweet and loving. And I wouldn't trade it for any neurotypical kid in the world. Right. Um, yeah. Last month we were at the park and there's a little boy playing with Matthew. And he's like, Matthew was stimming, so he's shaking his hands. And this little boy must have been a little older than Matthew, I want to say eight, nine. And he looked at him and was like, does he have autism? And we're like, no, he has sensory processing disorder. And the little boy was like, oh, but I have autism. Let's go play together. And it just blessed my heart. Like how sweet that that encounter. Like I'm really sure that was a God moment for my heart as mom, but also for Matthew. Because I I don't know as a six-year-old if he really realizes this, but not every kid out there is stimming by shaking his hands or stimming at all. But that God gave him a friend in that moment. It was really special. Yes. Those trends are so great. We're, we're really lucky to have people in my kids' lives who understand not only other kids, but adults as well. So going off kind of what we've talked about in our own parenting journey, what advice would you have for someone whose child was just diagnosed with a special need or a mental disorder or disability and they feel overwhelmed? So one of my favorite sayings, it's from a mom. She has an autistic daughter. But she says something that's along the lines of, 
right now isn't forever and always is a farce. It's one of my things to hold. I hold on to so dearly because when you get this diagnosis, there's a lot of hard news. Doctors tend to, and I, and I said, I get this, especially when you're trying to get services for your children. Doctors tend to put a lot down about the bad parts and they're not always necessarily bad, but there are things that they need to work on things that they need help with. And it's really easy to like, look at this list of things and think this is my forever. Like I'm going to spend forever trying to help my son walk across the street without running in the road or trying to make sure my child doesn't disappear in the middle of the night because he runs or something. Running was a big worry for us with Leah. That's why those are both my examples. Um, And I know when I got James's evaluation, there was a long list of things that he couldn't do, things that he should be doing, he can't be doing, he isn't doing. And I remember reading it and thinking to myself, like, this isn't, this isn't all James is. This is so easy to get caught up in the words and the letters and all the therapy is needed and all the things that he needs to be working on. But there's so much more than that. And that's one thing I really appreciate about our school system is when they sit down with us, they give things that he, all the positives and all the things he's accomplished when they go over it. And I'm really grateful for that part. That's something I always remind friends of when they're struggling with things is that this is not forever. This is Mm -hmm. the moment. And while I will never say that, oh, he'll talk definitely one day or, oh, he'll do this definitely one day because maybe he won't, but he also won't be here forever. And you won't be here forever. You're going to learn and grow and be able to find ways to communicate with your child, even if they aren't vocalizing, even if they don't stop running. Like, I, it's just important, I think, to always remember that right now is not forever. Right now is right now. And there's always tomorrow. And it's always changing because it's really easy to get stuck in the right now sometimes. Right. Yeah. Love just keeping the positive first and foremost, because it can get exhausting, especially when we don't know if we don't know, like if it's a new diagnosis or if it's diagnosis presenting in a different way and we don't know how to do it, keeping positivity and the Lord's got this and it's not going to be like this for the rest of our life. Exactly. And it's, it's really easy to kind of, get stuck in that rumination of just, this is what's, this is what my life's going to look like forever. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And my second thing I always tell people is find your village because I I'm, I'm blessed. I was born into our village, my mother and father. Um, I have multiple siblings who have diagnoses. And like I said, in the beginning, I have my own mental health diagnoses that never really necessarily led to a special needs, like, oh, Lauren has special needs, but, um, you know, I have my own diagnoses. I was really lucky. I was born into my village and they show up and they understand and they are, you know, I don't want to say well-educated on this, but they are, they're well-educated. My parents both teach in the public school system. My sister actually works in special education. Um, my other sister's training to be an OT. So it's, very important to have those people who understand because if you get stuck 
in this, like you said, it's exhausting. It's really tiring some days. And I don't know about you, but I, like I said, I have my own mental health stuff and it gets loud and it gets overwhelming and I get touched out Mm -hmm. and I, I, you know, need breaks and having people who understand my kids and who love my kids for who they are and who I know won't tell them to stop stimming in public, who I know will just appreciate their vocal, uh, vocal stims, you know, they having that is so important. And it's something I highly recommend. If you can find your village, you are 10 times better off than you were without it. That reminds me. So Zach's isn't as, I don't want to say bad, but severe. I don't know how you would say that. Matthew's more, you can tell he has special needs. Um, yep. But with Zach, some cl- very close people in his life were looking at him like, it's just a parenting thing. He just needs to snap out of it. Blah, 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 blah. And then it took um, a very close friend from church looked at me and said, no, Amber, he's going to be a world changer. Like that kid is the most strong love kid I've ever known. And at the time that I'm getting all this input from other people, oh, your parenting's just bad. Oh, your child's just bad. I'm like, okay, like, what do I do? Like, where does that lead me? But how much that changed my view of my own child, really, and my view of my own parenting, he's a world changer. He's not a bad child. We're going to get through this. And he's God made Zach to be Zach. Some days I want to pull out every last hair in my head because of Zach, but <laughs> the village <laughs> is so important. Like I get on Instagram often and text you, what do you think about this? How could, how can you help me with this? And you've been amazing. Um, Becky, who I just mentioned from church, your child's a world changer. Like the village is so important. We can't underestimate that. No. And it's so important for your child to hear from other people that they're not, there's nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Like, that is something that's so big for our kids to know that they're not bad. <laughs> they're not wrong and they're not broken. They're humans who have a different functioning brain than what society thinks is good. Right. Yeah. And who's decided to say what's good? Like, that kind exactly. of crazy. I can get on my own soapbox about that, but why is there only one way of talking or one way of doing this? No, it's just kind of ridiculous. Exactly. Something you've been really good at um, sharing in your platforms is a church and mental health issues. Um, do you have any suggestions for resources on how those of us in the church can be better at working with children with special needs? So I have a few. One is called Nathaniel's Hope. And Nathaniel's Hope is a Christian program um, based around a woman whose son, he actually passed away, but he um, had some pretty severe um, disabilities. And he, she, it helps train both people in the church to understand disability and special needs, as well as helps train, um, the church to become an area of respite for families. So one thing that, and you've mentioned this, I've mentioned this, anyone who's ever parented a child with special needs knows this. It it gets to be a lot. And some kids, um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed. I have my family who was very well aware of this, but some kids are, I don't want to say harder, but their behaviors are harder. (laughs) I can't think of a better way to say it for other people to handle. Mm -hmm. And because of this, there's a lot of caregiver burnout. And one of the things I love about Nathaniel's Hope is that it has a program that helps train churches to provide the respite for families and parents 
who are giving care to people with disabilities and special needs. I took one of their like smaller trainings and our hope is to get the respite training done so we can do it as a church. Um, because again, it just, it does, it gets exhausting. Um, we love our children, but anyone who's a parent knows that it can get exhausting to be a parent 24 right. seven. And when you have children who have higher needs or needs that aren't as well understood by the world, or especially, um, that's one thing they really focus on because the son did have medical needs. You know, it's hard to find people to help with that. And it's a wonderful program. Another one that is on Instagram is called mm-hmm. Ability Ministry. And it's run by um, a disabled adult who is a church member. And then I love Lamar Hardwick. He wrote a book called... Um, disability in the church and he is he refers to himself as the autism pastor and he is a late diagnosis autistic adult um and he talks a lot about how the church can um rally around people who are either parenting or living with autism and one thing that came from his book and i kind of knew this but seeing it written out in a, a book by a person living with it um who was diagnosed with autism was, you know, 80% of families who have an autistic member don't attend a church. And that number, I mean, it breaks my heart as you can probably, you know, you probably would share that heartbreak. And that's not to say that none of these families are believers, but the church has a lot of work to do in regards to disability and special needs and mental health. And I, I love the church. I do. But those are three ministries that actively discuss ways to help families with disabilities in the family and caregivers. Um, and of course, I always talk about it if anyone wants to ask. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Lauren is an open book. Um, but I love that those resources you mentioned all come from someone who has experience, like firsthand experience or the parents of someone. Because I think it's one thing to pick up a book on autism or what have you, and it be like textbook from a doctor that has no firsthand experience. It's different, always different when we can share our stories and someone relate to that story. Yes. And one thing I love is there's, it's really easy to start to be angry at the church and sit in your anger about the ways it hand the people of the church. This is like church little C, not like God's bride, like each individual church, the churches, it's really easy to sit in your anger on how they handle things, whether it's race, whether it's sexism, whether it's abuse, whether it's disability, it's really, really easy to sit in that anger and just be upset about it. And these are people who have experienced firsthand the oppression and the disregard and just some of the really terrible things that have occurred in churches. And they're still sitting there trying to help people understand and be better for the next generation. And that's one thing I love about, especially um, again, Lamar Hardick is he Hardwick is that he has lived his entire life as an autistic man. And he talks a lot about how like he has faced comments as a pastor as about how he doesn't show enough emotion and X, Y, and Z and how he needs this and that. And being autistic has really helped him recognize how disability works in the church and how to continue to not only better it for people who are autistic, but people on other 
spectrums who have other disabilities. And it's so much, it's so much hope in it. And that's one thing I think sometimes gets lost when we criticize or try to help fix the church is the hope of a better. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. I was just going to say how powerful that is too, because it could be really easy to get angry and turn our backs on the church. But instead, these people are building hope into the truth. Yes. If one of your children is struggling with being different than others, how can you encourage them? Um, so we have had this struggle. I don't know if you have had it as, as I mean, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but I know that Matthew is obviously younger. I mean, I think people ask, like, why is he clapping his hands like that? So I've noticed it, but I don't think Matthew has a clue in the world. Yes. We have had experiences with... Um, Especially with my older son, Liam is 11. He has noticed kids who have either called out behaviors or have um, made fun of their kids. So I hate to like get upset with them, but you know, made fun of James's, especially James has a very obvious stim. Um, He flaps his hands at his chest level um, and hits his chest with his hands. So it's a very, very obvious stim. And one thing that we try really hard to encourage our kids to remember is that even if the world looks at you and sees something wrong god looks at you and sees someone he loves and we try very hard to make sure our kids know like they are not broken there's not something that's wrong with them they simply have a body and a brain that works differently than the way that has been accepted by society in that there's a lot of reassurance there's a lot of reminders that you know god formed you in the womb he loves you you have been created to be his child and there's no one else matters i mean that's definitely hard they have moments where i've had my kids say like i wish my brain didn't work like this and it breaks my heart because i get it Mm -hmm. (laughs) i truly get it um it's hard to have a brain that doesn't always behave the way that you've seen as the right way. We try really hard to let them feel their hurt and then to remind them that they can change the world with this hurt. Mm-hmm. They can go forward and make a huge difference for other kids like them. They can go forward and make a huge difference for adults like them. You know, they can fight to bring awareness to certain aspects of the things that are broken in our world. Uh, our son, um, Liam, has, was exposed to things in utero he shouldn't have been. And in that, we try very hard to remind him, like, you know, this is something that you can go forward and say, I came from this place and this is where I am now. And that's God. And I want to help people do that. Yeah. And then, of course, we did the silly thing where, you know, I always remind James when he gets upset wearing clothes that maybe... He doesn't like the clothes we wear today, but when God made people, they were naked. So <laughs> he would have been perfect in Eden. Like, you know, because yeah. sometimes you just need to giggle. It's really hard to watch my children. I think that's one of the hardest parts for me has been when my kids realize they're different. Mm-hmm. And we try really hard in our home to celebrate our differences and to say like, hey, maybe I'm going to use myself as an example. Maybe mom struggles sometimes with things that are silly, like silly thoughts that come into my head and make me get very anxious. But in that struggle, it has helped mom be more aware of people in need or be more aware of our surroundings. Like we try very hard to change it into positive, but as they get older and face the world, there are people out there who do mock them and who do make fun of them. And 
who do say, you know, oh, you're so strange or you're weird or really not nice things. And it's, it's hard. That's one of the hardest parts for me. What would you say, or have you ever had the experience where you had to talk to someone outside of family member commenting on your children? So again, I have been very blessed that my immediate family is very knowledgeable and accepting. Um, my in-laws are not so much. They've come a very far way because in my mother-in-law's world, this stuff didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and explaining that ADHD is real, <laughs> um, I promise. Um, and explaining that, you know, real things has been a big sign our family on, you know, maybe if you just did X, Y, and Z, they wouldn't do that. And I am, I'm a bit of a sassy person. Amber knows, um, I am, I am a little sassy and that's okay with me. Um, I'm very quick to just say, nope, you're done. I have no issue revoking the right of people in my kids' lives if they are harmful to my children. And I know that some people really struggle with that. And again, I can't speak for a family member, like a parent or a grandparent or aunt or a cousin, because I grew up in a world where this is all very accepted and Mm -hmm. acknowledged and known. And I have been very lucky that my mother-in-law has struggled with accepting and acknowledging it, but she is trying. Yeah. So the people who I have to revoke privilege of to my children is usually someone that isn't super big in my life anyway. And in that there has been times where I have simply said, like, I'm going to use the example of like a certain adult who worked with my children in a program. <laughs> and you can use your imagination what program because I don't know if they'll listen to this. But <laughs> if I share this, I'm not sure. But they worked with my children on program and they very nicely told me, like, James isn't behaving. He doesn't listen at all. And the truth is, is he wasn't listening because he isn't understanding what you're asking of him. Like you need to slow down and take a minute. And I've said, I, they're not going to be in that program anymore. But again, I'm really lucky where I live is fairly open and accepting. I have a pastor who preaches from the pulpit about his anxiety and the medicine he takes for it. We have been very blessed in our church and in the world to not really experience a lot of people who say negative things. And the negative things are like, you know, not super negative as adults. We've we've had a lot more children make fun of them than adults make mean comments. Um, And I mean, I've had strangers at like a soccer game be like, oh my gosh, can you just make him behave? Um, And I'm like, well, no, I can't because he's really not doing anything wrong. He's just running back Mm -hmm. and forth yelling. Like we're outside. I don't know what to tell you. But again, I'm, I'm a sassy human. I grew up with a mother who would have told them where they could take their opinion and put it. So, and very clearly in front of everyone, no fear. I have always been the person who just simply says, nope, you're not doing that today and walked away. So I I wish I had better advice if it was someone who you had to see regularly. Um, I truly do because I know that there are many people out there who have faced that, um, who have been stuck like dealing with family, parents, grandparents and it's something that I just haven't come here I haven't experienced that much of it Mm -hmm. but I love still that you put your children first because I think sometimes it can be easy to want to change to the pattern of the world and maybe not go to soccer anymore 
because it would just be easier than getting comments. But you're like, uh, no, this is my child. This is how they're going to behave. You like it or not. Yes. And I'm really grateful. Like I said, I have siblings with multiple different diagnoses. And one of my siblings has a pretty severe ADHD. Um, he's been medicated since he was five. And at that point, my parents were very anti-medicine, but he was unable to control his impulses. It was safety issues. I'll never forget my mom told me once, none of these people matter. At the end of the day, none of them are the person that you are trying to raise to be a good human and love people. And if they make comments, let it go or tell them off. I mean, my mom (laughs) usually told them off to be honest, but you know, like the person who matters most in this situation is not the person who doesn't like the way they are verbalizing stims or doesn't like that they're rocking. Um, And again, I feel terrible saying this because we are so lucky. We have been very blessed. Our church family is accepting. Our family is accepting. Um, Our homeschool co-op is super accepting. But my mom faced a lot more, which is probably why I don't face it as badly now, because Mm -hmm. my mom definitely told people exactly what they were allowed to say. And if they didn't listen, they were not allowed in our life. I love that your mom was just like a warrior for her children. That's amazing. Oh, she is. My mama is one of the best mamas around. Um, so a question I didn't send you, but if you had anything else on your heart regarding special needs children or parenting or really anything under this umbrella, things we've been talking about today, what would you want to leave our listeners with? I think one thing I would really, I really want to make sure people who are in the situation of parenting these kids is that they remember that fight how they might feel if they lean into Jesus and they trust that God has this, they are more than enough for their kids because they have the one who is enough. I don't love the you are enough for your kids comment because we all need Jesus. But if you are willing to sacrifice and lay down your life to Christ, you will be enough for your kids because you are living in him and he is enough for your kids. And in that, I just want us to always, I really want you to remember that God created your kid, your children, whether it's one, whether it's five, and he knew every single part of them and he formed them the way he formed them. And he loves them the way he formed them. It's, it's okay for it to be hard and it's okay for it to be exhausting, but these kids are made in his image the same way any typical child is. And it's really easy to sometimes get stuck in the wishing for it to be easier or your child to be typical because typical feels easier, which for the record, I have multiple typical children too. And it's really not, (laughs) but it's easy to wish for it and to hope for things because you think the other side is better and it's not. God made this child and gave them to you to parent because he loves them and he loves you. And this is not a punishment. This is not a brokenness. This isn't something that's wrong. He created your family the way he created your family because he knows what the future holds and just relying on him and every step of it is so important. Even when you're tired, (laughs) even when they're loud, you need to preach. Um, to transition into some fun get to know you questions. So one of these days I am going to get you to Montana and we're going to hang out <laughs> and drink coffee together. If we're drinking coffee, what's your drink of choice? 
Um, my drink of choice is an iced mocha coffee. That sounds delicious. You'll have to come. I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> You'll have to come in the summer when it's warm enough for iced coffee. Unless you're one of those people that drink iced coffee all year long in the cold too. I am. Okay, well, it's, please. You know. <laughs> um, you can take this next question literally, like as an actual season of fall or figuratively, but what's something that's bringing you joy in this season? Um, I love Christmas. <laughs> There's just, I, I, I find so much hope in the one line, a weary world rejoices. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what Christmas season is all about to me. Just all the little things that bring us joy, bring me joy, you know, making cookies, Christmas lights. I, one of my favorite times of the year. I love it. Christmas is so, so good. Um, what has been your favorite book you've read in the last six months, year recently? Hmm. I have to say, this is a hard one, but I think I'm going to go with, we read a book that is called, oh no, it's by, it's by a writer for Al, his name is Alan Gratz, and he is an amazing writer for um, middle ages. And (laughs) we read one by him called Refugee. um, And it's based off of three different time periods. Um, World War II. A, the Jew, a Jewish family fleeing Germany in World War II, a family f- fleeing Cuba after the fall of communism, and a family fleeing Syria in about, I think it was t- 2011. And it is a interweaved book that is masterful. Like it is one of the best things I've ever read in my life. Oh, wow. um, and I recommend it to everyone. However, you will cry. Forewarning. Forewarning. <laughs> Well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking your time to share your heart. You always inspire me. So I know our listeners are going to be inspired and encouraged. And it was just a blessing to be able to talk to you today. Thank you. Friends, was that not amazing? I'm so thankful for the work I get to do. I have always loved stories. And truly chatting with you all is my favorite part of my ministry. Come back next time for what is sure to be another impactful interview. And until then, as always, to God be the glory.